0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca
1: Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode. Today we are talking about books. Books is something that a lot of people find to be one of the hardest things to declutter. And it doesn't matter what kind of books they are; people will be attached to them. So we're going to talk today about a little bit about books and why and how and all that kind of stuff.
0: I think for me, this was by far the hardest part of my decluttering journey, and has always Mm -hmm. been. Even though I'm, I'd like to think I'm, you know, pretty decluttered most of the most of the time, or pretty uncluttered. Books, uh, yeah, there's some kind of uh, invisible connection or attachment between me and them. Mm. It's very hard to let them go.
1: So yeah, it is. It's really interesting. I don't know if we anthropomorphize or what we do with them, but they, they there is this thing about them. And I personally, I've managed to get it pretty under control. So I've managed to figure out ways to detach. I guess from from books in a certain way. and there's lots of different methods that I've used. But at the moment, I have a few I have a little clog of unread books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from that i'm I'm pretty I'm pretty okay, but um but yeah, there's there's something about books. It's like people mention to me things like they love the way they feel. they love the 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 paper and and the cover and, and holding it in their hands and and the smell. Um, the the pictures on the cover the the imagery um things inside the books like you know coffee table books and, and stuff like that I've got a client who's got a couple of really massive ones and and they just she just describes them as exquisite you know the the pictures in them and and the covers of them are just you know exquisite and and they inspire her and, and things like that so that's a, that's um you know there's a lot of emotion in books and it's it's really interesting yeah
0: for me I think Think they're almost like an aspirational clutter item as well I yeah. always had this idea in my head that when I became an adult or when I became you know when I grew up when I had a big enough house when I had enough money when I designed my own house like the, the goalposts kept moving but that I would have a library and I always mm-hmm. wanted you know a beautiful you know Provincial armchair with a footstool and you know the little table beside it to put my cup of tea on and just be in this you know beautiful library room, but that's just not ever going to happen I don't think mm. and and so I have, I have always held on to books that I read. And this is the crazy bit even the ones I didn't enjoy <laughs> oh. <laughs> because I thought well one day I'm going to need something to fill the walls of my library so it was um. for me it was not about why I needed them now it was that this is you know I'm aspiring to this ideal of being the the lady that sits in her beautiful armchair in the library reading <laughs> and like yeah. I, I'm turning 40 next year and there is no library on my radar in the next 20 years so um, I could have, I I had a shift, I can almost pinpoint the moment when I shifted that thing for books um, and my attachment to books and it kind of all fell away. But um, for me, and that was, you know, since I was about 15, I had that idea that I wanted a library in my house. So it was always just hold on to them, hold on to them one day.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, it's, they are very aspirational
0: and they mm. can also
1: they evoke a feeling of hope and there's this anticipation, especially of unread books anyway, of what's it going to be and how much pleasure you're going to get from a book and the excitement of of starting a new book that you've been looking forward to reading and things like that. And, you know, there's somehow this is going to make my life better. Um, when I read it, my life will be better for reading it. And uh, so there's that aspirational kind of, of thing as well.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's like... Do you remember, I don't think, I don't know if they do them anymore, but back in the day, it used to be really popular to take a mystery flight. Do you remember those? You could pay a certain amount of money for like a day trip and you'd go to the airport at nine o'clock in the morning and you wouldn't know where you're flying to. And you might fly to Melbourne for the day from Adelaide or you might, you know, if you're taking off in Mm. Sydney, you might go to the Gold Coast for the day. And people used to pay for you know it might be $300 yeah. for two flights and you but you weren't you didn't know where you were going you just go somewhere for the day and i think there's that same uh, yeah, that promise anticipation or, or the opportunity for adventure with every mm. book and cuz i get like this little childlike buzz of excitement the same kind of thing that a kid probably experiences on christmas morning when I finish a book and I have a little stack of books I've acquired that I haven't read yet and it's like, where am I going today? Like this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I could be going back to a um, concentration camp in Poland with this book or I could be going off, you know, to Paris in this book. Or I could, you know, it's that whole thing that yeah. comes with this I'm about to go on a journey. And because I, um, I don't mind uh you know non-fiction but for reading in bed at night I do love a bit of fiction or at least historical fiction it can be a little
1: bit factual but you know Mm. I don't want to just read historical fiction is my favorite genre Mm. favorite I love it but
0: so so it's that idea that I've got all these books and they don't follow like I don't just buy you know the romantic books so I don't just buy books about mm. war although I do have I have read a lot of books about war <laughs> um, but it's the idea it's the promise that you're about to be transported somewhere and so there's yeah. something that I think that's why we get so attached to books because it's not just something you pick up and read and put down you know I have no attachment to yeah. my reference books from uni <laughs> because yeah. they never took me
1: anywhere <laughs> exciting <laughs> <laughs> some people do though we'll get to that mm. Mm. but yeah it, and it's also then once you've read them and you've been on that journey you feel like that you and the book have got some kind of relationship and you've both been somewhere together and mm-hmm. then that's hard to to let go of that
0: yeah well it's it's history isn't it it's your postcard or your you know the the trinket that you picked up while you're on holiday when you look at Well, this is speaking personally. When I look at the cover of a book, you kind of are instantly transported back into that story and it's like I like those little triggers and that was really hard for me to give up on. But I think I have mentioned before how I could pinpoint the the moment when I stopped holding on to books and I was, we were living in the UK and we went and saw a comedian. I don't know if you've heard of Michael McIntyre. Yeah. Oh, I think yep, I have. he makes me pretty much <laughs> wee my pants. I think he is hilarious. And um, we went and saw him in Nottingham and we were, I think we were in like the second row or something. We were really close and I was just like, oh, it's so good. I can, you know, almost feel his <laughs> spit on me. <laughs> I know it's a bit morbid. But anyway, <laughs> He, then he told this joke and cuz i've never heard anything he said and not laughed at it and he had this little skit and i will i will try and i think there's a like a short version of it on youtube and i will put a link to that on our facebook community but he talks about people that own books and he said what is it with people that you know keep every book that they've ever read like you know walk into people walk into your house and you go look look how well read i am look at all these things that i've read you know <laughs> Um, and he said, you know, I've had a lot of microwave dinners, but I don't staple the, the covers of my dinners to the wall and go, look, look at all the wonderful meals I've had. I, look, this day I had lasagna and, and last week I had the cannelloni or whatever it was. And I was like, it was like a dagger to the heart. I was like, oh, that's me. I'm keeping these books to kind of show how well read I am. or to Like I will never read them again. What am I keeping mm-hmm. them for? And it kind of it just pierced that whole aspirational bubble of the library and also what was my real motivation for keeping them, and it all came crashing mm. down. And from that day I started getting rid of the books once I finished reading them. So there you Interesting. go. I'm sure that he didn't mm. intend to have that, that effect. No, I don't, but it, it was funny because um, now I keep I only keep one author who is my favourite author, so if I read his books I keep them because that is the collection mm. that I want, that you've that's chosen. my little book limit or my boundary but um, yeah I think it was that whole thing of I've read this book I really enjoyed it I don't need and every time I think should I keep it I have this vision of him stapling like a lasagna <laughs> lid to his wall and I think this is insane I'm just going to pass it on so there you go thank you Michael McIntyre my bookshelf is a lot clearer because of you that's so interesting
1: <laughs> but then there's the- then there's the cookbooks though that was a different thing for you wasn't it
0: yeah yeah he didn't talk about
1: books. we'll we'll talk about (laughs) that later yeah um so yeah that and that's so there's sort of then there's different there's different categories of books there's like there's the books that you have read which you've just talked about but there's also the books that you haven't read yet Mm. and some people have there's there's different proportions for for different people there's I, I mean I've got a couple of friends that have got massive piles of books that they haven't read yet because they they're just bibliophiles and they just you know can't have en- can't get enough and so they collect faster than they can read mm-hmm. and so there's you know a l- real large proportion of books that haven't been read but then there there are other people who have a very large proportion of books that they have read because they keep everyone that that they do read but everyone's going to have like different proportions of of that and and then there are your nostalgic books like your kids' books or your own childhood books. And then there's the reference books from uni and then there's cookbooks. So I think we can have a chat about each of those different mm. kinds and just sort of just talk about that. And um and I, I mean eventually we are we're not just going to keep raving about books and why we keep them. We're going to also talk a little bit about ways that we can reduce our books if we have an unhelpful volume. Mm. So
0: why do you, uh, we've touched on it, why do you think people are so attached to books that they have
1: already finished reading? Uh, it's just, it's that, that part of being on a journey together and, and that attachment. And I find it interesting and I, I can't understand it myself why people keep books that they didn't like. That one I struggle with but since you've mentioned that yourself, I think part of that could be that whole badge of honour um or uh you know what I'm saying don't you that
0: yeah personally I felt because so this is the other thing that is wrong with me not the other thing one of many things <laughs> uh, that is not ideal is I can't actually not finish a book so even the books Oh, but really? Two chapters in. I am not enjoying. I can't not finish it, and I know that there are people oh. out there that relate to this. It is a disease. Yep. We are diseased people, <laughs> but we cannot not finish it. So then, oh, when I got, too I short, would Tara. I know, I know, <laughs> and if you could remove the chromosome that is responsible for that, <laughs> I would very much appreciate it. But I can Like I have, um. I remember going on holidays to India, and. We were doing, Ryan and I were doing this overnight in this disgustingly overcrowded train that stank and I felt so ill. And I was, I can tell you the exact book I was reading because it was torture. I was like, this is torture. I didn't, I, I can't, this is, we are paying to do this. And I've picked the worst book in the history of the world. And I'm lying on a stinky overcrowded train going through the heart of India. And I just, I can't cope. But I finished the book. And it completely ruined my holiday because that's what I read the <laughs> whole oh, holiday, <laughs> which is crazy. But then I came home and I put it on my shelf and I kept it because it was almost like oh, I don't know, you know, like I'd run a marathon and now I need yeah, yeah. proof to show people that I made it to the end. <laughs> I made it all the way to the end of that
1: horrible book. That makes sense. That I can see that. Like you put your blood, sweat, and tears into that, and it's evidence. It's evidence that that you did it. Yeah, I think, and that's that is it's like,
0: exactly the same with the the reference or the uni books or the
1: yeah. know, high school books. Yeah. I think
0: it's the exact same principle with them.
1: Yeah, yep, for sure. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. I personally don't have that chromosome, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so I will quite happily get three pages into a book and go, "Nah, this sucks," and put it aside and never look at it again or think about it again, and. That's, or, although sometimes I will flick to the end and read the last chapter just so I know what happens. Oh, <laughs> just so I can <laughs> like, <laughs> just so I, but I, that's only if I kind of half care. If
0: you read the end and then think, oh, that it ended well, would you ever go back and then read the whole lot or would you just go,
1: no, nah, now I know how it uh, ends? No, because nah, then I would have spoiled it for myself, yeah. <laughs> nah, it's Usually I oh. know. I know that I'm not interested in reading it's because it's it'll be something like the story interests me, but the style of writing doesn't. So it might be the style of mm-hmm. writing drives me insane. And so I just want to find out what happens because the storyline has got a bit of interest to me, but I can't tolerate reading that style for the entire book. And so that's when I'll just go, oh my God, I'm just going to read the last chapter or the last few pages get it little wrapped up neatly, tie like tie off the loose ends, and then I can just get it out of my life and not have to look at it again. Um but there's like I know um Fifty Shades of Grey was one of those books, right? And I didn't really I wasn't really interested in reading it, but then I thought, Oh, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and so I read, I reckon about two pages before I went, Oh my God, this is the worst written book I've ever come across in my entire life. I hated it. And I know there's people going to be listening that disagree with me, but that, that's cool. That's the beauty of books. We all have our own styles and our own opinions. But anyway, I hated it. I could not stand the writing style. And so I thought, well, the least I can do is like check out the sex bits and see if they're any good. <laughs> so I'm like flicking through for the sex. <laughs> and, then I'm re- and then I'm reading those and I'm going, mm, nah, still not doing anything for me. <laughs> and I got rid of it then but yeah I was just like I just <laughs> couldn't I just couldn't and so yeah there are some books that are just too hard and I also recently joined a a book club a James Baldwin book club because I wanted to read an author that I wouldn't normally choose to read and I like I read the first book in the in the book club and that was the only reason I actually I didn't even finish it I got like of the way through before I gave up exhausted but he writes very beautifully but I couldn't understand a word of it I think I'm just not smart enough and so like I with that one I just went I just can't I can't do that anymore Um, I'm just not I'm not intelligent enough to understand what he's saying (laughs) understand the words but not the message and so yeah I gave up that one in confusion Um, but yeah I'm I'm a I'm an opter outer, as you know, so I yeah. can quite happily discard them. Yeah.
0: Right. Next time I'm reading a bad book, I'm gonna I'm gonna text you and I need you to talk me talk me down, <laughs> talk, talk me off the, off the edge, edge. <laughs> and um and I'll get rid of it.
1: <sighs> it's kind so of like do- decluttering though, isn't it? Like it's kinda of like it's kinda of like you have to say to yourself, I'm going to be okay if I don't finish this book. I'll survive this. I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll survive this. It's not going to kill me. Uh, And if you have to read the last page just to give you a little bit of something, then do that.
0: I was not not a long way off of letting go of a book that my sister-in-law gave me a couple of, it was only a couple of months ago. I'll talk to you about the whole, like, book swappy thing that we do, that I do with her, but she gave me this book she goes, Oh, I've got to give you this book. I've just finished. It's amazing. And then I was at her house the next day and she, and I said, Oh, have you got that book for me? And she goes, no, I've decided I'm going to read it again. I'm like, you've just finished it. She goes, I know, but I need Mm -hmm. to, now that I know the end, I want to go back. And she read the whole thing again. And I'm like, are you insane? So then she gives this book to me and I, I saw her like two weeks later and I'm like, yeah, I'm at about page 150, not doing it for me. It's not very exciting. I almost don't want to tell people what it is because people are quite polarized on this book. It's called A Little Life, set in oh, I haven't New York. Read that. Um, and people love it. And I was, and she's yeah. like, keep going, keep going. And I was like, I'm really tempted to give it up. It's a long book, it's like 800 pages or something. And I was like, I just don't. And she's like, don't worry, it gets better, it gets better. So I persisted and I got all the way to the end and I'm like, yeah, still not feeling it, just lost six <laughs> weeks of my life. <laughs> I was so, that was the first book I was close to giving up and she was like, no, it's And she talked you out of going. it. Yeah. Uh,
1: anyway, that's all right. I have a friend who has very similar taste to me books and she's the one that I will go to sometimes if that's the case like I'll just say to her is it worth it and she'll say no Mm -hmm. or she'll say yes and she's always right like we've just got exactly the same tastes and um and also if I'm ever looking for a book to read I'll generally go for one that Bianca has ranked quite high because we just have the same this exactly the same taste so that's it's helpful to to have that as well because then you know you've got that comfort of knowing you know yeah, I can I can opt out because I know based on that feedback that it's not going to be for me. So um, I'm making the right decision.
0: Um, so what about you? Mentioned that you've got a few books that you haven't read. What
1: about those? Yeah, yeah with- I well, I see I struggle because when I I don't, I don't have many physical books, so I tend to read. Um, On my Kindle or on my iPad. I borrow books from the library and I read them on my iPad. And I do that mostly so that I don't keep Mick awake at night because I can do the iPad um, without a light on. And so I can read, read on my iPad. So when I do acquire physical books, I don't really ever get to read them because I don't read during the day and I. I just, I just don't have time to read any other time than the half an hour before I fall asleep every night. That's when I do my reading. And so when I get physical books, they, and I get them by accident sometimes, or I might just get by one on a whim and go, oh yeah, I've been meaning to read that. And I see it, you know, in a store or something. And I think, oh, I may as well just get that now. And I'm going to stop doing that because it's just, I just have a build up. Uh, or people give me books. So uh-huh. again, friends that, friends that don't read ebooks, books um, like Bianca she's more of a, a phys- she loves her physical books and so I'll get given books by people and so then I go okay I'll put them on the, the pile and I don't get to them because I can't read them at night and so that's sort of my struggle is I do want to read them but my environment isn't set up to read them and so I, I need to, I usually end up culling those without ever reading them. I think that I don't. it's not a huge problem, but, yeah, I do have um, a few of them. That's probably one of my little clogged areas, slightly clogged areas, I think, as far as books go anyway.
0: Mm. I, it, this may surprise you. I've never, ever read an ebook. not one. Oh, really? So you're not definitely a, a physical book person. I'm a physical yeah. book person. And there's a really easy way to solve that whole reading in bed at night when your husband's trying to sleep. Give your husband mm-hmm. an eye mask. That's what I did, <laughs> and now he puts an eye mask on because he will go to bed before me, and Brilliant. yeah, um, so and then I come in like an hour after he's asleep and turn the light on, and it doesn't matter; it doesn't wake him up. So it was kind of our compromise. You know what? Buy him a poor Adelaide like football club <laughs> eye mask. Get make something cool <laughs> that he'll like. <laughs> Nothing
1: pink, really. <laughs> nothing with um, a cat on the front or anything yeah yeah, yeah I, everything wakes him up so even just climbing into bed once he's asleep will wake him up so uh, I have to be like a ninja <laughs> <laughs> uh, <that's laughs> otherwise funny. I wake the poor bugger up yeah um uh,
0: I I keep or I have books that I have acquired and not read yet some come from that I've Either got as a gift or something that I'm really keen to read that I've picked up at a store. Usually, I will buy secondhand books if I'm wandering past and see things and recognise mm. the title. My sister-in-law is crazy reader. She uh, she's like a speed reader or something. And I remember thinking. When she'd read four books to my one, oh, that'll change when she has kids. She has three kids now and she's still a speed reader. But she has a great network of people around her that read that all just kind of pass books around. So when I finish a book, um, I will pass it to her and then she'll read it. Or if she's already read it, she passes it to someone in her network. And then all these other books come back and filter to me through her as well. So sometimes I've got ones on my shelf that she's passed me as well, but I have, um, I will put a photo of my bookshelf on the community but um, page on Facebook, but I have one section where I stack the books horizontally and the shelf is only probably maybe 40 or 50 centimetres high. So that pile is my to be read book. So I'm looking at okay. it at the moment, I could maybe fit one or two more in, but then that's it once it gets to the, to the top shelf it touches the shelf above it then I, d- I won't acquire any more till I've read some of those and got rid of them so that's kind of my yeah. my little limit so I kind of never feel overcluttered with books that I haven't read yet but it's it also then gives me that fear it still gives me that feeling of excitement that when I finish a book it's not that I have one book to you know that will be my next yeah book. you've got, I got a can choice. Still go and say oh look now that I've finished that historical fiction I want something really light and flippant and a real easy read that there's a few options in there that I can kind of choose based on my mood. So I like having having the choice. It's like my mini library.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, and that's kind of what I have as well. My, in my bedside cupboard is that little stack. And yeah, once it's once it's up there, I have to discard some things. So So what about people that have loads of books that they haven't read? Where does oh. it
0: I mean we talked a bit before, like I talked personally about the hope that comes from them and the possibilities. Mm. But why else do people keep so many books that they
1: haven't read? Well, they'll feel guilty that they haven't read them. You know, like a Mm -hmm. book is meant to be read and if if it lives in your house for two years and then it leaves again without having been read, it kind of... It's a bit weird to people. It's like, no, 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 that's not how it's meant to happen. It's meant yeah. to be read. That's the thing it is. It's a book to be read. So um, I think that's that's interesting. And that's sort of, and I've done a, I've done a Tara, everybody, this episode. For, for those of you that have listened to a lot, you will know that Tara is the one that comes up with all the quotes and does all the research. But I have a book quote. Mm. And I really like this one by Marie Kondo. And she says, if you haven't read it by now, the book's purpose was to teach you that you didn't need it. Which I Ooh, thought was quite, quite interesting. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And so that's, you know, if if it's been hanging around for a couple of years and you haven't read it yet, and we we'll, we might we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, but there's a reason. There's a reason why you haven't read it. And so that's something that does bother people a lot is the fact that things can't leave until they've been read. Uh, it's sort of I guess it's like a feeling of waste. Mm-hmm that they've wasted this opportunity, they've wasted uh, money, they've wasted time. This book has been wasted in, in essence if it hasn't been read. Um, so it, it has to stay until it is read. So that's generally and Yeah,
0: you're, you're invested in it because not only did you bring mm. it into the house but it has been taking up real estate in your house for however long it's been there. So to then get rid of it without any of the promise or the joy that it could possibly bring Feels wasteful as well in terms of
1: having stored it and carted it around for that long. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a whole that's it's there's a lot of a lot in it actually in these these unread books, and that like you said, the hope is uh, one of the biggest ones. It's mm. that you know I want to do this and I really want to read this. I want to try this and and I guess another one would be the fear of missing out. You know what mm. what what am I missing out on if I don't if I don't read this book or if it leaves without me having read it maybe there's something in there that could have changed my life or that could have given me something. And if I don't read it, then I've missed out on that opportunity. So there's that FOMO there as well, I think. Um, One thing I have taken to doing to stop
0: acquiring books, like if I get to that limit on my shelf and think I can't have any more (laughs) until I've read some of these to try and prevent some of that, I either take a photo of a front cover of a book. If I see something good at a bookstore or someone tells me about a book, kind of create my own little wish list so that if there comes a time so that I can have, I don't forget it and I don't forget that that it might be something that I want to read or that someone's told me is great, but that I, it doesn't need to come in straight away, you know, pop a little a little list in my phone. And I think you could almost if you're really struggling with letting books go that you haven't read, you could do the same. You could take a photo or write uh, write it down so that down the track in the future, if you ever found yourself in a position mm. you could you could reacquire that book or go and borrow it from the library there that way you kind of it's it's like your safety net for the fear of missing out or your safety net for letting it go and thinking you know it was such a waste it might negate some Mm. of those feelings if you feel like it's Mm. it might be gone but not forgotten that it's still stored electronically somewhere so there's always the possibility of coming back
1: yeah that's the good thing about books is that most of them um aren't that hard to reacquire in some way or another yeah so Um, then
0: kids books what about kids books they kids oh. books
1: multiply at an insane <laughs> they rate. Do. <laughs> they do, don't they? Um, I my kids make the decision about what books stay and go, but I do. I do have a what's the word? Is it veto? Mm-hmm. Where if they want to get rid of it, and then I decide they can't, then they can't. <laughs> it's just like too bad. <laughs> you got to keep that one. And on. My bookcase, we've got in our house, we've got three bookcases. There's one in the office and then one in each of the kids' bedrooms. And the one in the office is mine or kind of the family's. We um we have that, those three. And when they declutter their own bookcases, if there's anything on there that I want to keep, then um, sometimes I can talk them into keeping it on their bookcase, but most of the time it has to go onto mine because I'm keeping it for me more than anything. So there's the books that... Um, their bedtime books so we decided uh, as part of the whole sleep preparation thing when they were little that we would read the same book to them to, to mm-hmm. have them go to sleep and that would mean one we didn't have to sit there reading 12 books um, there was no one more one more one more it's just one book and that was the same one every time and it was the trigger to go to sleep and we could start reading the or reciting the book out loud in the car and they would not off you know because the it's the, that book was that trigger and wow, so we've got really each clever. of those for the kids yeah it was good I can still I've completely forgotten Ethan's, um, but even but Zoe's. I think we've read that one for longer. Um, but yeah, when I made them keep those ones, but so they've gone onto my bookcase as memories for me. But then others that have been gifts or, or things like that, I've often talked to the kids into to keeping a few of those um, there. But it is interesting. Like we have to think about who we are keeping the books for. Are we keeping them for ourselves, or are we keeping them for the kids when they're older? And a lot of people, a lot of kids, aren't going to want their childhood books when they're older uh, some might but I think keeping them all is not wise it just means that you've got you've got a lot of work to do when they're older and they've got a lot of work to do when they're older and I think maybe um, not keeping them all is is probably a bit wiser than than keeping them all but yeah there is that whole connection to their childhood either uh, yourself or for them and that feeling of nostalgia that that makes you want to hang on to kids books. We've just gone through this with um, one of the people in our community
0: was wanting her or wanting to help her daughter sort out some books and she said, is there a way I should do this? And I suggested to her, I said, I think, I can't remember how old her daughter was, but she wasn't little, little. I think she was, you know, maybe somewhere close to 10. And I said, just get her to sort them into three piles, one of love it, one of like it, and one of don't like it. And then the love it ones stay. They're an automatic keep. The don't like mm. it ones are an automatic go. And then the ones that are in the middle, you kind of have to tease out a bit. And I said, she could, she might be like kids often don't buy into as much sentimental stuff as us. Mm. Um, and yeah. so I said, she'll probably be quite clear about the like or the love and the don't like. And then you might find the ones in the middle. You sit down and you go, okay, so we don't love this one. What if we just check and see if our local library has it? Because if they have it, then if we ever want to borrow it again, we know it's Mm -hmm. there. Um, And then it can go into the pile to be discarded or, you know, passed on to someone. And then, you know, kind of basically then re-go through that middle pile and either decide that you really like it and you can't get it anywhere else, so we'll put it there, or... Yeah, actually, it's not it's not one of my favorites, and I could get it at the library if I needed. Yep, so get rid of it. And then, so she said. Then she posted a picture of her daughter's bookshelf all decluttered, and I was like, "Woohoo! How's that?" Mm. Um, so that's something yeah, you that's can a try with idea. your try with your kids as well if you're finding that um, their books are starting to take over the house.
1: Yeah, I like that, and also you know make sure that they don't they're not forced to keep books for you. Uh, And that you do move books, any books that you're keeping for yourself for nostalgic reasons, you don't, you have them um, separate from your kids' collection Uh, because it's sort of, I guess it's not fair for them to have to store things that you want to keep that they don't. Yeah. Then there's the stuff that, like, there's our own childhood books. And actually, there's another category as well. Thinking of your mum's books, Tara, um, there's also ones that have sort of been passed on to us mm mm-hmm.
0: well. well, so for those um and I went through this, oh, we must have this must be really early on when we first started recording. Um, and we were talking about sentimental clutter. Yeah. And my like- mum was a huge Maeve Binchy fan. And after she passed away, my mum, not Maeve Binchy, I <laughs> think I'm pretty sure Maeve <laughs> Binchy is still alive. Um is she? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Uh after my mum passed away, I was really certain that I wanted to keep mum's. Maeve Binchy collection but anyone that has read her books knows she's written a lot of books and Mm. I was like all of a sudden had you know an extra 35 books on my shelf or whatever and I started trying to read through them and I liked a couple of them but She wasn't necessarily my style and so it took me a while but I got to the point where I decided that I knew what my mum's favourite was. The thing that got her into Maeve Binchy was a book called Tara Road and she only bought it because it had Tara in the title. (laughs) Um, And then she loved her um, style and kept reading and kept buying. So I decided that rather than keeping my mum's entire collection, I would just keep Tara Road because Mm. and i've I've read it, and it's fine, and it's good. And now that is um the the trigger or the connection to my mum's love of that book, but it's I get the exact same feeling keeping that one book as I did keeping thirty books, but without all the space. Mm. yeah, so yeah, that's that's what I did for for those. And I'm sure people can try and keep a selection or a
1: just a small amount rather than the entire yeah entire collection. Yeah, there's that feeling of connection to your past, to someone else, um, that nostalgia. You know, I've kept childhood books and I've kept ones that, that I truly loved and that really, I don't know, that that really changed me fundamentally, you know, mm-hmm. or really affected me fundamentally. So that were just my favourite books and, and still, you know, still are part of my favourite book collection Isn't it disappointing when you love a book so, so much and your kids are like, eh, whatever. Not interested. (laughs) I was just devastated. (laughs) I have the entire Trixie Belden collection and the entire Anna Green Gables collection. And do you think either of my children are interested in either (laughs) of those collections? Not in the slightest. I'm like, even though like Zoe's, they're both good readers and Zoe's particularly voracious reader and so I tried to get her onto Trixie Belden and nah she wouldn't have a bar but she's like nah it's boring I was like no <laughs> that's just like a dagger to the heart. so I have to just keep them and read them myself but yeah I have the whole entire and collections is something another category of of books as well that we have is, those co- is collections. And mm. I think, um, you know, collections are fun. It's fun to collect things. Uh, but again, that can be unhelpful if you if you sort of go a bit too far and you decide to collect every author um, or every genre, you know, and you end up having a, an entire massive big collection. So I've sort of limited mine a little bit. And uh, one of my Anna Grand Gables books is actually my grandmother's and it was given to her by her sister in it her sister and it's got like the the inscription on the on, in inside cover which i i really love yeah that'd be nice
0: well i i went through i loved the secret garden and i oh, read yeah. that with sienna a couple of years ago and i was like oh it was so slow and it i was like <laughs> oh we're reading it and she's like it's pretty slow mum. and I'm like I know but it's good it you know come on we can do it <laughs> we got through it and I'm like oh whoa that was an effort and then only recently my nine-year-old is like should we read The Secret Garden together I'm like no well let's watch the movie <laughs> I'm like I can't I can't do that again you can put it on your bookshelf and read it yourself one day but I'm, I'm done <laughs> I can't do it but the, my memory of it was so much better. I mean the That's book so is wonderful but I just, mm. I guess I i was less patient with it second time around. Um, Maybe, and yeah. I only kept, I kept my first end of Green Gables book, just the first one, but, yeah. and let go of the rest of the collection because, again, I was just like I get the same memory from, yeah. from that. Um, the yeah. only collections or collection I have now are, so my favorite author is Ken Follett and um, oh, yeah, oh, he's amazing. I and can't then while read I was, Ken
1: Follett. <laughs> oh it's just too much.
0: Are uh, you all right? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So we went to I think one of the highlights of my life so far, um, you know, obviously after marriage and kids and all that, uh, <laughs> was I went to a cathedral in Lincoln in the UK to can follow it doing a book reading of, from um, the Pillars of the Earth. I was like, oh. "That's it. I can die and go to heaven now." And yeah. we went. We had a glass of wine with him afterwards. Oh, and it did was, you really? Yep. So that, I've got my photo so cool with him, and it's so great. And he's he's phenomenal. So lovely, and I just love his books. So I, but I like they're my treat book. So I have a couple still of his old ones that I haven't read. And so if I read a really bad book, that's my reward <laughs> is oh. I get to read a Ken Follett one day. Ken Follett.
1: <laughs> oh, I tried to read Pills of the Earth and I was just like, this is exhausting. I can't oh. do it.
0: <laughs> no, I love, love, love Ken Follett. So oh, okay. um, That's my only collection. So I was like, when I pass away sometime, <laughs> at some point, hopefully a long way down the track, and my kids won't <laughs> have a lot of, book- of my books to go through, they both know mm. already that Ken Follett is my favourite and I hope that, one of them will take, you know, Pillars of the Earth, and one will take one of his, uh, mm. you know, like Fall of Giants, one of the um, other trilogies, or something, something else of his, and they have one each, yeah, and then a sample they
1: can be done. But yeah, yeah. So that's my only collection these days. So tell us about your cookbooks, Tara. We know you've had you had a cookbook epiphany. Was it an epiphany, or was yeah, it just a? <laughs> it
0: was, was just, just a, a. I think I had um, I had I used to have cookbooks up high on a cupboard that I couldn't easily access and as soon as I moved them up there, I never I never used them because I couldn't be bothered yeah. getting the steps still out to get them. And so I would just Google and I'd have a um, Nigella book up on the top of the cupboard and and they looked lovely there. There was this really awkward space between the top of the cupboards and the high ceilings in a house we were living in. And oh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what to put up there. And then I was like, oh, I'll put all my cookbooks and look great because it was at the top of the kitchen. But because I couldn't easily get them, I stopped using them and I'd be like, oh, I know there's that Nigella brownie recipe. So I would just Google it instead of getting the step stool <laughs> to get up to get my book down. And after six months when all these books had just accumulated dust and filth, mm. I was like, what am I doing? It's like I've just got them there for decoration now. So it was a bit of a painstaking process but I put an app on my iPad called Recipe Book and every night when I went to bed I would sit there with a the recipe book, go through and put um, tags in in the pages of the ones that I really, that I'd cooked before that I would go back to that I wanted to keep the recipe. And when I looked through, there was not a lot. There were There were favourites in every book but not hundreds. There was, you know, ten maybe. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, either myself or I'd get my kids to take the photos and input the recipe so that my favourite ones were in there. So I've cut down. So now I have, again, we'll talk about limits in a second, but I have one shelf. I still love cookbooks and there's like a whole other aspirational element to those, I think. very
1: much so, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: But now I keep what I would think is my hall of fame, of cookbooks I keep the best of the best and the other thing I do with them now is I have a coffee table and little couch area not far from my kitchen and I put two out there and they might sit there for a couple of weeks and I rotate them so my coffee table books are now my cookbooks because quite often I'll sit down oh, yeah. there with a cup of tea and instead of grabbing my phone I'll grab a cookbook and I'll flick through and think because otherwise unless you know what's in them, you're not likely Mm -hmm. to grab, like, I feel like life is too busy these days. I used to get a cookbook out and say, I'm going to find something to make for dinner tonight. And I'd see what took my inspiration. And then I'd go to the shops and buy whatever I needed, but I don't do that anymore. Now I (laughs) work out what I'm going to cook first and then see if there's a recipe to match kind of thing. So I put them out and then I will flick through them while they're on my coffee table and go, Oh, that looks good. Maybe I'll make that next week or whatever. And if I've don't get inspired by them at all anymore then they go on the pile to go but yeah now i only have the hall of fame so not very many
1: yeah and that's the thing we do tend to google a little bit these days and um for me it's i'm more like i just make the same things over and over and over again and because my family are very much creatures of habit and new things elicit all sorts of looks of horror and dread <laughs> and so we sort of tend to eat the same things all the time. And so I did the same got rid of a, a large proportion of, of cookbooks and just either Google or you know use my favorites and I've kept it. I kept a couple because they were gifts. Um, so there's, my sister went through a phase of buying me Jamie Oliver cookbooks, even though I didn't really like Jamie Oliver recipes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she ended up like I got I've got a few really nice ones. But there's a couple that actually do have some good recipes in there that I've used. And so because they've even though it's only a couple of recipes, because the books were gifts and they're nice books, I have put them in. They have made the the shortlist. But for the most part, yeah, my my shortlist is is short. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we we're, we're creatures of habit and I'm a bit boring. I'm not overly adventurous and I don't care to be, so I don't have that aspiration that other people mm. have. There I mean I've said to some clients that I think they have more recipes than they have days left in their life. And <gasps> they just yep. they're not going to ever use all of those books and make all of those recipes and instead they're going to be falling over their cookbooks and And never, and never even cooking because there's no room to cook because there's cookbooks Mm. everywhere. Uh, so, you know, there, there is that whole balance that we need to, to think about, you know, is, am I keeping more cookbooks than I have meals left in my life? And is it worth the stress of having all of these books? Um, when I could possibly find recipes in other ways, um, or just reduce the books and still have enough recipes to keep me satisfied you know how much is enough that I have new recipes and inspiration but not falling over cookbooks all the time Mm.
0: and I think my big lesson was keep just the ones you love and you use regularly but keep them within arm's reach because if the small barrier of getting a step stool to get a book is
1: enough to make me not get it down then it can't be that important yeah exactly and that mine is about five my our study is next to the kitchen so our bookcase is five steps from the, or three steps from the kitchen. So yeah, that, that helps with me, helps me as well because I can just quickly step into the, into the study, grab a book and, um, and use mm. it. Um, yeah. I don't have to sort of go to any great lengths. It's actually harder to find my iPad than it is to run, run and get a cookbook. <laughs> so I, I will tend to, but I've also done this um, weird thing where I've got my favorite recipes and then I've rewritten them for the Thermomix. And so they're in a a folder with plastic sleeves. So mm-hmm. I actually get that folder with plastic sleeves out five times more than I get cookbooks out. Um, mm. I'm always going to it to just double check the, the ingredients on the favourite recipes that we have all the time um, and to check the recipe. Just in, I know most of them off by heart though because, like I said, we're creatures of habit, but um, sometimes I do need to check, is that 275 mils or 375 mils because I don't trust my memory. But, yeah, it's all in that, just in the plastic mm-hmm. sleeves. Mm.
0: Yeah, so I think people really just need to look at the way that they cook. And if you've got a glut mm-hmm. of leeks right now and think you're like and your instinct is to grab the iPad and Google leak recipes rather than grab a cookbook and search mm-hmm. the index to see if there's anything in there with leeks, then that kind of tells you about the way you cook and your habits. And soon you'll just be saying Siri, can you tell me mm-hmm. a recipe with leeks? You know, you won't even be needing to touch anything. Um, so if you are likely to take the easier option of searching or an option that gives you more bang for your buck and might give you 50 recipes to cook with leeks rather than the three that are in the recipe book, then, then don't, just don't fight against it. There's nothing, there's no shame in it. And then it's that whole Mm -hmm. idea that this book could serve someone else so much better than it's serving you. If you let it go and put it out there, there's probably someone that would love that recipe book that would actually use it. So could have a life yeah.
1: beyond you. Yeah. Well that leads us into quite easily into ways that we can reduce our book numbers. Um and so that's one of them. Uh one of the the ways to reduce our books. It's a very hard task for some to do, but there are, you know, ways that you can make it a little bit easier for yourself. Probably the biggest way to reduce your books is to stop acquiring them in the first place or to change your acquisition habits or to put boundaries around your acquisitions. You know, read what you have before you bring anything else into the house. Um, switch to the library so that you have to return things. And here's a hint. If you don't like using the library because you're always putting sending books back late... Uh, set up a system that supports it have a home for all the library books so they don't get mixed in with all of the other books and have reminders set up on your phone have three reminders you know books due back in one week books due back in one day books due back today so that you are you know remembering to to do all of that stuff because the library is an amazing resource and it can really help us reduce clutter and then e-books as well is another way. So I've sort of gone with e-books. I, you know, when I went uh, on holidays last week, I just took my Kindle and I just sat down and I just, before I went, and I just bought, you know, five books from Amazon. I only read one and a half of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I've got them there for, you know, other times. Um, they're not going anywhere because I bought them. And in the meantime, my library books that all came that I'd pre-ordered all came through and then have expired while I'm away <laughs> so I have to reorder them again. Um, but, yeah, so I, it was great. I could take my light, nice, light little Kindle um, and have five, at least five books on there that that I hadn't read um, and it didn't weigh anything. We Did I tell you, Tara, that we went to we went on holidays with just carry-on luggage, seven kilos of yeah. carry-on luggage? So there's no way I could take a book. And, and then at our last accommodation that we were there for three or four days at our last place, There was, they had books on the shelf, and I've picked up a book on the second to last day, started it stupidly, and then had to leave it there unfinished. So now I have to find the book at my own library so I can finish reading it because I really want to know what happens. But it was a big mistake. Mick's like, why are you bringing the, we were going somewhere in the car, and he goes, why are you bringing your book? You should be looking at, like, the scenery. And I'm like, I have to finish this book. I've only I've got, like, six hours. <laughs> I've got six hours to go. I've got to use every single second. But, yeah, I didn't uh, make
0: it. I remember mm-hmm. um, when the Da Vinci Code, f- like, the book had come out and people oh, yeah. raving about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to that, get to that. And then the movie was coming out. And um, I thought I should. Everyone said you've got to read the book before watch the movie. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I'll get to that. And I started it. And then my friend rang up and uh, said, I've got tickets to the premiere of Da Vinci Code tomorrow at 6 p.m. or something. I'm like, Okay. So I had to call in sick for work (laughs) (laughs) the next day because I had I had still had a couple hundred pages, and I was like, Okay, I can't, I can't. So I was still reading the book on the way to the cinema. I'm like, I can't drive. You have to drive. It was a 20-minute trip, like, last chapter. I'm getting there. I'm getting, but it was the worst experience ever because the book is so fresh in your mind and the movie is never as good as the book.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That whole panic reading
1: thing. That's yeah. Familiar. That's what I was doing, <laughs> like panic reading. Walk, I'm eating, I'm walking, you know, swimming with this book in front of my face. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's oh, funny. Anyway. Um, the
0: other um, thing I would say, because I'm not an ebook person, but I do like an audio book. So if I'm driving to Sydney, oh, which yes, is three yeah. hours away, um I will buy an, and I've you know it's that whole thing this is why I keep a list of books that people tell me are good I don't just buy them all because if I know mm-hmm. I've got a big drive coming I'll buy an audiobook and sometimes some books are so lovely that the author you know narrates them and it's there's yeah. like a whole nother element when you get their their tone and their emotion in the reading um yeah. so and if you're a podcast listener you're obviously used to listening well driving or walking or doing whatever so consider audiobooks too if books is a, a trouble spot for you
1: yeah yeah audiobooks is a great idea so the probably the number one way to limit the number of books that you have would be boundaries and you and I've talked about that heaps um setting boundaries and one shelf for this or one collection only or whatever so there that's I think probably the the easiest would it be easiest or, or most straightforward way to reduce? Yeah. Probably not easy, but most straightforward. You make a rule: this is how many books that I can have, and yep. that's it.
0: Yeah, let the let the space be your limit. So it's not about what you want or what you need; it's about the space that you have. If your bookshelf is full, don't buy another bookshelf. Reduce what's on your current bookshelf because otherwise you'll be filling your house with bookshelves. So I think that whole thing of figure out what you think is appropriate for the space that you've got and then stick to it. Be really firm with yourself.
1: And, you know, you can have boundaries within categories, you know, so you could have a boundary like you have of your unread books um, or you could have a boundary of sentimental books. One thing I would say is that if you have books in a box in the shed, then really seriously think about why because they're not being enjoyed necessarily and if they're that special should they really be in a box out in the shed possibly getting damaged so just think about that as well if you've got books stored in other places other than bookshelves where you can get to them uh, maybe they're not important enough or maybe the ones that are on your bookshelf are less important than you can bring the others back into circulation.
0: Yeah. And if you want more information about sentimental clutter specifically or aspirational clutter, and if you think your books are falling into either of those zones, then you can go way back towards the start. You can access them on any of our podcast uh, players um, or apps, or you can get them on our website too. And some of the discussion in those episodes might really help you through some of those ideas
1: too. Yeah, I think so too. Another thing that really helps people to Book lovers, especially, to discard books is actually knowing where they they they're going and trusting that where they're going is somewhere where they're going to be valued and and loved and cared for. There is this great website called Book Crossing. I don't know if you've heard of that. Ty.
0: No, way. no, I've never come across that.
1: Cool. It's it's been around for a while, and it's really quite cool. And basically, it involves. <laughs> um, What's the word? Releasing books to the wild is probably is the way that they kind of describe it. And what you do is you just leave a book somewhere with a little note in it that says this book is for you. Um, Please read it and then pass it on. And you can log on to Book Crossing and register that book and where you found it. And books end up travelling all around the world. And it's really cool because, yeah, if you register the book or if you, you log in and sort of register where the book is it tracks it um and it it goes they go all over the place so um, people have been doing uh, book crossing for for quite a while now um and you just there's like a little code in the book and you just type the code in and then you can say that you've got the book and where you are uh, and it's really cool um so that's that's another way that's a really
0: good idea i remember being um on my honeymoon and finishing the book i was reading and I was like, okay, I'm not going to keep carting this around uh, Europe with me. So, but the, I got to a hotel and there was a book in the drawer, and there was a little note inside saying, "I've finished this book. If you want, ah, if you want yeah. this, um, take it. Just replace it for the next person that comes along." So I left my book and took the, the book took that, that was one. there. And cool. I know that there's lots of places like that. Some supermarkets have little stands out the front where you can, yeah. Just pop a red book and pick up a different one, you know. Give and take. There's a few of those
1: around now, yeah. There's like there's one um, on the way home from a client that I that I see every week, and um, they've just it's just a house and they've got a stand out the front with books on it um, for people to to take and replace. And there's lots of lots of that happening uh, these days, which is wonderful. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's so cool. But yeah, with the book crossing, you can just leave it on a park bench with a note in it saying, you know. Um, take this and read it and pass it on again
0: yeah and i think with uh kids books lots of the usual spots are always quite happy to take old kids books like uh Mm. doctors clinics and or dentists um your daycare centers places like that because books can be you know easily cleaned like you can wipe their covers and that kind of thing and you know Mm. they get ripped and torn and they're can be really expensive to replace. So I think you think if your kid has got this book on its shelf and then hasn't been read for two years, other kids could be reading that book every day. And I think when you start looking externally at Mm. the benefit other people could get from that one thing that's sitting in your house idle, it can kind of shift your focus a bit.
1: Yeah, you know, especially, you know, if you think of all the joy that they could give and if you're keeping Mm. something either because you're not interested in reading it or it's not a priority to read, there's someone else out there who cannot wait to read that book mm. and they'll be really excited to, to get to get a hold of it. So uh, I would say just let go and let it go and you, it, it will come back to you if, you, if it has to. And that's another thing I've done as well with some books where I've gone, oh, I really did want to read that but I just know I'm not going to and there's others higher up on my list. So I'll let it go and if it's really important, and if I really want to get it, I can get it one day. I can find it again. It will come back to me. So that helps me as well, uh, letting go, knowing that I should be able to get it again quite easily. And if I don't, then I'll still be okay. Mm. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I, I think there's something really nice about the whole book swapping thing. If you have a group of people that you know you know, are interested in similar books, rather than you buying every new release that comes out in that genre that you like you know band together with a few friends and say look I'll read it and then I'll pass it on and send them around and because the nice part is then you will have more books coming back to you it's less money Mm. there's you know less wastage all that kind of thing and then they come easily they go easily and because there's not like we always talk about there's not that initial investment to acquire the item it kind of feels easier letting it go because it wasn't it wasn't brought in with with sup, such deep conscious thinking and that kind of thing that you just kind of you graciously accept them, read them, and then let them go and, you know, it's a nice flow. Yep, mm, yep, yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Okay, I think have we talked about books enough? It's been a very long one. It has uh, been. Again, to cut out have- a few of our <laughs> anecdotes. when we when we start these we always think oh it's going to be a short one and Mm. then an hour later we're like "Mm, no it wasn't we've just (laughs) rambled again for uh, way too long all right so if anyone has got any tips about books we would love to hear from you on our social media and if you would like to join our facebook community please do we love having new members join the community and we love everyone also telling people about our podcast so if you want to If you get something out of our podcast and you think someone else might get something out of it, then please let them know all about it, Um, show them how to use the app on their phone, all that kind of stuff. And, um, And we thank you very much for that.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.